Hey folks, Marbell here, Editor-in-Chief of Director's Notes, returning to the podcast with an interview with Crown Chimp Productions founder, Nicholas Duarte, who last joined us back in 2012 with his Simeon Schoolboy short, What You Need. Today, Nick and I discuss his new documentary, Jay, which began life as a quick three-minute profile piece about Jay Kyle Peterson, a man who paints soul energy, only to become an epic five-year exploration for the correct cinematic form in which to tell the harrowing story of Jay's early life as an intersex man forced to grow up as a female while suffering horrific abuse, an aspect of Jay's life only revealed to Nick during their first interview. So it's been a while, but welcome back to Director's Notes, Nicholas. I am very excited and happy to be back on, man. Thank you for having me. Uh, my pleasure. I'm really glad that we're both still around um, five years on. <laughs> Good to know that we are both still alive. We both <laughs> made it this far. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. So that begs the question, what have you been up to if you can you know, condense down <laughs> half a decade? Yeah. How, how much time do we got? Uh, <laughs> so... Yeah, I'll try to give you the the nutshell version of the last five years. So basically, you know, been jumping back and forth between the commercial world and the uh, the narrative and scripted world. Uh, started moving into national commercial projects. Uh, got signed to a couple different rosters. Left some of those rosters. Joined a new roster. Uh, was able to keep. My team at Crown Chimp going through all of that, directed some pieces out in China and Israel and Africa and started kind of exploring the world a little bit more and doing different projects outside of just the States. Um, on the narrative side, been doing a bunch of, bunch of short films, a bunch of new projects, uh, been pitching out to studios and pitching to television networks. And we currently have a project set up with Warner Brothers uh, that we are writing on and I'll be directing mid this year. So the things that we're looking to do on the commercial side and the narrative side are starting to come together. I mean, and I'm skipping all of, you know, the terrible shit that happened along the way too. And <laughs> all the uh, falling down and the stuff that didn't work out. But more good than bad, for sure. One thing that has been heartening, as well as the stuff that you've been doing, you as um, Crown Chimp, your core team has stayed together. In fact, you added a few new members as well. Yeah, yeah, we have. We haven't really had any real turnover with our team. It's a smaller team. You know, maybe that's a part of it, uh, but we operate in the sort of weird space between a business and a creative collective and a band. But most of us are all still here and still working together. And we just, you know, we enjoy making things together. It feels very apt that I invited you back onto the show to talk about your new documentary, Jay, because that, in fact, unbeknownst to me, has been around as far back as when we spoke before. Yeah. <laughs> which is an interesting dynamic for something that has turned out to be um, just over 20 minutes long as a short, but has been kind of bubbling away in the background for so long. So what is the story of Jay? Because, you know, nobody who's listening to this would have had a chance to um, see the film as of yet. Jay is a short documentary about a man that was born intersexed, uh, raised female in rural 50s Minnesota, and went through a lot of uh, just really awful things throughout his life, different types of abuse and substance abuse, you know, uh, some brought onto him by the world, some self-inflicted. Uh, now he's in a position where he is uh, painting the soul energy of uh, various people and pets and places and 
other things like that. And so I met him and his story was just really completely different and unique. And it was something that I, uh, I was really drawn to. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make something of. The way that, Jay, the documentary is um, structured, it kind of starts off, what a kooky, strange guy who's painting these souls. Mm-hmm. And then it takes a shift into the tragic history that Jay went through. And that is the real heart and soul of the documentary. So how did you discover Jay's history? You know, almost exactly how it presents in the documentary, to be honest with you. I, I had met Jay. He had acted for me in a project we did for Adidas. You know, I just cast him. I liked his look. I thought he was an interesting guy. I found out he painted people's souls. And that is very different than my personal beliefs about spirituality um, and just about how, you know, that spectrum of things presents itself. I'm not one of those uh, folks that would necessarily, you know, go full hearted believing in that sort of thing. However, I thought it was an interesting idea. And at the time I was looking just to make a, you know, maybe two, three minute doc piece on something. And I thought it was an interesting subject. So I did that. And throughout the pre-interview and the actual interview, I found out all of the other stuff. Uh, I, I had no idea about any of the other things beyond the painting and the soul component. Uh, so it kind of presented itself to me in a, in a pretty similar way, uh, at least chronologically, how it presents in the documentary. As an interviewer, if you're going into a story and you know that there are these deep scars within um, your participants' background, you can couch your approach to talking to them. But discovering that on the fly, how do you handle that from the other side of the camera? Yeah, that's a really good question. You know, I think some of it is my wife is a social worker. Uh, she does a lot of uh, therapeutic counseling. So I'm, I'm pretty aware of that world and then just, you know, general rapport building and decorum. But in those types of interviews, you can let moments sit, you know, as you collect your thoughts. Uh, you don't have to just immediately react. Trying to control emotions and trying to guide the narrative and be inquisitive along the way and, of course, be empathic uh you know to what's going on with the subject and sensitive to that how much of what jay reveals in the interviews was jay really wanting to get this out and was there once you were aware of the situation any cause or need for you to try and encourage jay to um dig further and deeper into those memories which are obviously very very painful for him yeah you know the the first thing that i i did with jay uh when i you know, really kind of discovered some of the stuff was let him know that one, he does not need to answer any question. He doesn't want to answer. He's not beholden to me or anybody else. If I ask him a question that he's uncomfortable with, he can just tell me that and we'll move on. This isn't gotcha journalism or anything like that. You know, I, I want to respect what he is, is offering to us. And the second part of that is if he answers something uh, and decides, you know, he really doesn't want that to be known or released in documentary or, you know, him be portrayed in any sort of way he felt wasn't true with who he was, that he could voice that up. And I would respect that and, you know, do everything I could to make sure, you know, that he was comfortable with it. Because at the end of the day, it's not it's not my life story. It's not even my likeness that's on camera. Uh, it's his. So I wanted to be really aware of that, you know, going into it. Given some of Jay's claims especially at the beginning which you know if you don't believe in that scene really kind of out there and fanciful Mm -hmm. I'm curious about the balance of 
those views against these very real things that happened to him and whether you had a concern that what came before might undermine those really deeply painful memories that Jay conveys. Yeah, this also kind of ties back to your previous question where, you know, there are certain things he was more than willing to talk about. Some of those what we would maybe consider the more fanciful items, some of the, you know, satanic abuse stuff. Uh, He was more willing to talk about that than he was willing to talk about the more um, family abuse and family trauma. However, he presented both of those pieces of information. So I wanted to honor both pieces of information in telling his story. And in balancing it, yeah, it was uh, it was difficult. And that was a big part of what took this piece so long to put together, was trying to find that balance and trying to determine, you know, what is my place as the director in this and telling this person's story, especially when a story is really only told from his point of view. You know, it's not necessarily a journalistic piece or really a journalistic piece by any means. Uh, So it is, you know, trying to figure out the best approach to not censor and not mold and really kind of be careful of how much of my fingerprint is on, you know, telling this man's story and trying to, like I said before, honor his life. Mm -hmm. Once you've done the pre-interview and you may be more aware of this. How did you set things up technically with regards to the camera and who was around there and the crew when you were doing this longer interview? We, we basically, we broke it up into sections of his life. The film has a very specific aesthetic style to it. That was important to me to make it feel, you know, every composition really mattered, and especially in the interview compositions. So we had it broken down to, I believe there's six to seven core topics, and we really only focus on one topic with one camera setup and try to dial in and keep the conversation there. Now, I mean, it's a, you know, it's unscripted and it's, you know, documentary, so the conversation kind of goes all over the place. But we would try to keep it isolated as much as we could to that one section. In terms of actual crew, Jay was pretty open. As long as everybody was respectful You know, we didn't have to do any sort of version of a closed set, you know, so we had our location audio, our DP, our AC and our first and our producer were right there in the same space as I, me and Jay were. What did you guys shoot on? Uh, The first collection of interviews was shot on a red uh, Scarlet and the reenactment footage was shot on a red Epic. And then we picked up some additional interview and some additional B-roll with a 5D Mark III. Yeah, so the reenactment, at what point did the idea of doing these stylistic reenactments, which are... I I don't even really know how to describe them because there's reenactments, but there's reenactments where Jay's in them. And so, you know, they're not kind of like just your (laughs) typical reenactments with actors and this is what happened. They're mixed in and there's like the scene where he's there with his grandmother who, you, you know, but he's his actual age as he is now. So, yeah, how did those elements develop? Initially, I was planning on doing the reenactments through stop motion animation. That was going to be my initial plan. I mean, I I always wanted there to be some sort of, I don't know if meta is the right word, but something that's just a bit removed from portraying these events, you know, completely realistically. Uh, I wanted there to be just a, a secondary quality there. So I toyed with the idea and went fairly far down some sort of animation routes and then decided that that felt disingenuous, uh, toyed with the idea of presenting it as some sort of stage presentation, uh, you know, almost uh, like on a theater, uh, given 
Jay's interest in acting, but then that felt, I don't know if it, it was, that one was disingenuous or it was a little more tropey for my taste or something about that I wasn't digging. And then we settled on this idea of doing it in a place that resembled his home and, uh, you know, really kind of exploring if, if this film is Jay walking back through his life and telling us about his memories and these things that happened to him uh, and kind of taking this tour into his mind, it felt interesting to try to portray that in a more literal sense of physically seeing Jay taking this bit of a tour and interacting with some of these memories. And then we ended up stumbling across this other strange location that used to be a slaughterhouse. And that really felt like the perfect place to do the entire thing. Yeah, um, I read there was um, a bit of an issue with the pigs. Yeah, <laughs> so we, um, we didn't know it was a slaughterhouse. And there's some animals in it because the animals are a huge part of Jay's life. He grew up on a farm. And we had this sequence where, you know, we showed different animals backlit in the middle of this, you know, this hallway in this basement area. And the dog was fine and the cat was fine. And then we brought in uh, a couple of pigs and they were not fine at all. The animal wrangler was having such a difficult time with them and they would just kind of run off into the dark and we couldn't find them. And Everybody was looking, you know, with flashlights to try to figure out where the pigs went. And then we later learned that it used to be an old slaughterhouse. Uh, so they were smelling something. And yeah, <laughs> <laughs> God. and we all felt terrible about it. <laughs> As we said right off the top, this is a project that has been with you for many, many years. And a lot of that time was in the edit. Could you talk a little bit about the various forms that the film took that led you to, you know, where we are now with this final cut? Because it's been everything from originally conceived as a three-minute piece all the way up to a feature and then back down again. So, you know, I'm curious how much of that journey you feel in hindsight now was necessary to lead you to the place where you eventually arrived with the film. I honestly think all of it was necessary. You know, I try to be as pragmatic about things as possible. We do fairly extensive debriefs after our projects, you know, figure out what we could have done better and what could have been stronger. But this was one where I, I think every step was necessary. You know, maybe a, a different uh, director would have been able to, you know, got to where they needed to get to much quicker. But for me, I, I think I, I had to explore all of these options. And I think part of where it came is also, you know, part of life experiences over the you know, course of the last five years and maturing and developing as a human being. Uh, let alone as a filmmaker. I think all of that was really necessary. You know, I said initially the the first iteration of this was going to be a three-minute piece. And then after that interview, you know, started looking at grants and financing for doing uh, a hybrid animation component to it and explored that for about a year uh, as I was still trying to wrap my head around the structure of what was going to be presented. And like I said earlier, what my role or, you know, what the creative team's role was in telling the story from there, you know, we explored the idea of doing a feature and we, we have a couple of feature cuts that we did. And, you know, when you have a single interview, a single subject that's happening and you're not bringing in any other people to talk to it, it does become grating just, you know, listening to the same person, you know, talk over and over and it, it lost some of its intrigue and engagements. Uh, we toyed around at the version that was, I want to say maybe 12 minutes and that felt like it was just going way too fast and, we weren't spending any time on it. We did a full-on experimental version of this thing that was like around five minutes that 
just took all the more kind of strange and bizarre elements and had a really weird musical thing happening. I mean, there was a period of time where we were really, really lost with what this was going to be. And then, I mean, it ended up just being very simply, let's just tell Jay telling his story. We'll just tell the story of Jay telling his story. And once we were able to end up on that path, you know, it still took a, about a year of, you know, sharing it and getting notes, getting feedback, you know, from different people. And versions of it went went much darker. Um, versions of it felt like it was exploitive. Um, versions of it were very kind of sappy and sentimental. But I believe the version we landed on, you know, blends everything in the strongest way and, and hopefully leaves the viewer with, with something. Mm-hmm. What kept you sticking with the story? Because you've said yourself that there have been other stories you've worked with that you've abandoned. You know, any, any type of creative person is always working on projects and, you know, the ones that matter, the ones that really stick with you. But, you know, I, th- I think most people at any given point have a notebook full of things they would like to do or things they started doing. And then, you know, you end up just honing in on the, the stuff that really matters to you for whatever reason. This was one where I just I felt there was something really special in his story. I, you know, I thought it was really unique and not just in a lip service kind of way. I mean, I hadn't heard anything like it. Anytime I would tell people about about this particular project, you know, folks seemed genuinely interested. And I think there's a certain point you can tell if someone's just pretending to be interested in something or if they are actually interested in it. And a lot of people seem very interested because it, it is a very different story. Uh, you know, the stuff that happens in his life. You know, I felt like there was a life for it there. And then aesthetically, you know, once I kind of honed in on what the, the visuals were, I thought it would be a really unique visual approach and tonal approach to the piece as well. Uh, so, you know, those kind of style and substance uh, came together in a nice way that made me say, hey, this isn't a project we're going to drop, guys. Mm-hmm. Did um, you get Jay to sign off on it before, obviously, you showed it outside of the core team? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jay was the the last person that I showed before we officially said it's done. I wanted to make sure that I was good with the edit and, you know, prepared to make my case, you know, for the decisions we made. So, you know, we shared it with, you know, not a large group, maybe 12 people, a mix of folks in the industry and people who just are interested in documentary or these types of stories, maybe 20 people total, uh, took their notes, gathered feedback, all of that. But then when, when I felt it was in a really good place and before, you know, moving on to the color grade and the sound mix, I went over to Jay's and I sat down with him. We watched it two times through and um, we talked through the whole thing. And, you know, it was really important to me to make sure that he was comfortable with this final film and that he did sign off on it. As much as I, I care about this project, you know, the last thing I would want is the person who this project is about, uh, who I genuinely feel is a kind, good, loving man to have negative feelings about our collaboration and making it. Did he have any notes? Actually, he had a couple of really strong technical notes. There was a piece that was left in towards the end. That was about a 15 second piece. And he thought that we should get rid of it. Uh, it. It was just kind of saying the same thing that had already been said. And he felt like it had killed momentum. Um, so that was a really good technical narrative note. He did, you know, have the concern about how people would think of him. He uh, pretty much asked me, Nick, are people going to think that I'm crazy? And that was, you know, that was a difficult moment. And, you know, I, I just try to answer him as honestly as possible is everybody's going to have their own decision, their own thought about how this comes out. I truly believe absolutely as many people that 
believe and experience every component of his story as there are as many people who will doubt the majority of his story. And I think that's, you know, part of, for him, you know, the risk that he takes that nobody else with the project takes. Mm -hmm. I feel for me, um, given where I am on the belief scale of things that I can physically touch and see, and that's kind of where I fall. Yeah. (laughs) But the film does a fantastic emotional switch on you as in, or I was almost kind of chuckling away. And then it switches to his history and the things that he's had to endure. And I think even more so than had we started in that place, it completely knocked the breath out of me and made me, I think maybe even almost more receptive to that side of his story because of this slight dismissive air that I had at the beginning. Yeah, and I I think that's, um, you know, quite honestly, a similar experience to what I had in just learning the story. You know, I'm not one for crystals and astrology, you know, type of spirituality, or even one of, you know, I was raised Catholic, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in that large group of people who were raised Catholic and, you know, turned atheist or agnostic. So, yeah, I mean, I initially probably went through a very similar thing that you went through with it. But once you hear his story and once, you know, once I, you know, heard his story and, and learned those additional elements of it uh, and some of the tragedy that he went through, it, it does. It reframes it in a completely different way to the point of it. It's interesting and it doesn't matter if it's true or not. It's true for him. And I think that's kind of the most important thing about that aspect. What are your hopes for the film now? Um, where are you planning to you know, get it out? Yeah, right now we are doing a larger uh, festival run. Uh, so we've, you know, highlighted and are submitting to about 10 in our, our first pass and we'll see how that goes. Uh, you know, hoping that it, it does well on the circuit and it, you know, finds a couple champions and finds an audience. Then from there, we will be looking at, uh, connecting with, uh, you know, uh, some of the different communities that might be interested in it. You know, I mean, it's a difficult project to, to tie down cause it's not necessarily a, a pure LGBTQ uh, type of piece because uh, there's a lot of other things that are going on there. I mean, it's, it's not really one thing at all. Uh, but, you know, we'll reach out and see if any elements of his story can be of service to somebody else. And then we'll move towards the uh, the online release. So you mentioned um, that one of the projects you're working on is this crime drama for Warner Brothers. I'm presuming that you can't say much more than that about that project. Uh, No, not really. I mean, I I would love to, honestly. Uh, I would love to start, you know, getting people interested and excited about it and talking about it. But, you know, at this stage, it is not my place uh, to, <laughs> to be saying exactly what it is. I can just say that we are writing it right now and we have the target to be shooting it the middle of this year. And then I'll be I'll be directing the full series. Cool. Are there um, any other um, Crown Chimp projects that you can um, tell us about? Yeah, I mean, we, we have a couple more short films coming out that we've already shot that are just in you know various stages of post. We have a couple commercials uh, that are coming out. That's not as fun as the uh, as the narrative stuff, but it does allow us to do the narrative stuff. Uh, we are proud of the commercial work that we do. Yeah, and you know we're looking at. Uh, hopefully having a really strong, productive year. Well, yeah, one final thing, actually, that I wanted to ask you about. Back when I started the Director's Notes podcast, you know, it wasn't quite as crowded, but, you know, I see that you have made the space a bit more crowded with your own podcasts now. (laughs) 
Yeah, you know, that started as a, uh, I mean, it not started, still is. Like, we all just like to get together and bullshit and talk about movies. And we figured, well, we have the gear, you know, we'll record it and uh, we'll put it out there. And, you know, in any given episode, there's probably five good minutes <laughs> and the rest is just, uh, you know, we're learning. We're working our way through it. I think when we get to episode 20, 25, uh, it'll actually be worthwhile to listen to. <laughs> brilliant well good luck getting there and you know thank you so much for coming back on the show and actually this is the part as a past guest you know where i ask you to tell our audience where they can find you and more of your work yeah and actually if, if anybody is interested in checking out jay uh we will be sharing it in the next couple of newsletters you know we'll just share the the password and the link and all that for it so you can sign up for our newsletter at crownchimpfilms.com forward slash newsletter uh you can find our work at crownchimpfilms.com and crownchimp.com and nicholasduarte.com uh, i am on instagram and twitter as at mr nick duarte and crownchimp is on instagram and twitter as at crownchimp films fantastic well Nick, thank you so much for um, returning. I'm sure I must owe you an apology for waiting so long because it's not like you haven't been making work in that time. So it's completely on me. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad that we could no, um, catch all. up today. Yeah, this was very delightful. Thank you for having me back on. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Director's Notes podcast. If you've got a second, we'd really appreciate it if you headed over to iTunes or wherever it is that you subscribe to your podcasts and leave us a review and one of those lovely high star ratings that make it much easier for people to discover the show. Also, if you're looking for more filmmaker interviews, don't forget that you can head over to directorsnotes.com where you'll find daily interviews with filmmakers discussing their craft, such as a recent piece that we put out with director Harry Sheriff talking about the things that he learned from making 12 short films in 12 months. Speak to you next time. <laughs>